Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Women in Pop podcast. My name is Jet Tattersall. I hope you have been coping with the last four months of isolation and social distancing. We are still being very responsible here in that area, and this podcast is being produced remotely. So please do forgive us for the odd knocks and bumps and the lower audio quality that you are used to. Now, before we start today's show, we want to make sure you are all aware that the latest issue of Women in Pop magazine is on sale now. We have the legendary Mariah Carey on the cover and inside across 10 pages, we celebrate her 30 years in the music industry. We also have interviews with Carly Rae Jepsen, G-Flip, Dami Im, Freya Ratings, Talkie Monster, plus we look back on the creation of Whitney Houston's debut album on the 35th anniversary of its release. It's on sale now in a newsagent near you, and you can also buy a copy online at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Now on today's show, we have one of the brightest and most talented young singers on the Australian music scene. She first released music back in 2014 when she was still just a teenager and today she is releasing her debut album, I'm Doing It, a gorgeous collection of electro synth Indian ballads. Now she is here to tell us all about it. Her mum calls her Melissa, but we know her as East. East, hello and welcome to Women in Pop. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, darling, it is so many shades of wonderful to have you with us today. Um, I'm Doing It. Debut album release day, massive fanfare. How are you feeling? Um, I am feeling quite overwhelmed. Um, it's a day that I've kind of been working towards for a year and a half now. So it's uh, crazy that it's, it's happening. <laughs> well, I must say the album's title alone had me smiling and nodding. Like I'm with you again on this kind of in-joke. Um, and what I feel is that's so quintessentially you in everything that you put out there, like listeners or devourers of your stuff, we instantly feel this connection that upon hearing your music or even just reading your title or seeing your artwork is somehow missing from everywhere else. I don't know what it is, but you're <laughs> progressively taps into that fuck it truth vein that we have, like heartache, insecurity, money troubles, identity, all of it just sung with a hand held out to hold our own. Um, <laughs> is that... Are you aware of that's what happens or is that just you being you? Um, well, I'm not really like, you know, aware that um, that is how people feel. I do get a lot of people reaching out to me when, you know, I put out a new song or whatever and, you know, they can kind of tell me their experience of the song and how much they can relate to it or how much it means to them. So I guess in that way, I get to like see um, how people feel about the music. Um, yeah, I guess I, you know, one of my biggest goals in the world is to make the people around me feel comfortable and at ease. So I think that translates uh, in my music as well. Um, so I'm really happy to hear that's how you feel about it. <laughs> no, it's, it's genuinely just it's such an amazing quality and it's equal parts exposed for yourself and supportive for everyone else like it's oh it's it's almost maternal in a very young way it's very bizarre but beautiful <laughs> um and i just wanted to know um how was it for you creating this gorgeous album in comparison to your eps um it was quite a different experience a lot of my past eps have been quite scattered. Um, they 
have sometimes been written over the course of a couple of years, written with different people, um, produced by different people. Um, and this is the first project I've done that has um, just been with one collaborator. And yeah, I think um, that was really important to me going into it uh, was to just knuckle down. I made the album with Jim Elliott and um, just, you know, give my all to it in a very like focused time. That's gorgeous. It's, it's so complete. And I like how you pointed out that it was possibly scattered before. I mean, they were all gorgeous, but this one plays out like, uh, it's a sensory experience and not just sound. It's really, it's really a complete body of work with beginning, middle and end. Um, my favorite track is actually, I want to be here. It's this pure pop comforter in a song. Um, I'm trying to find the magic in being me. It's not that easy. Like your lyrics are constantly hitting a nerve, but you're hitting them with a hug. And then you build up to that beautiful chorus. I want to feel like I'm flying. I'll just keep on trying everything out and, until I don't want to die. And I want to be here. Hang on. I, Cause I can't do this. So I'm just going to play that song now. Here is, I want to be here. It's just too good to keep in my head. Can you please talk me through this track, its inspiration, its mood, and your desire for it? Oh, well, um, this track is also one of my favorites on the album. And yeah, it was written in quite a tough time in my own life. It yeah was kind of written in the thick of, of that moment. Uh, and I think I just needed to write a song that I needed to hear uh, and I needed to find a way to empower myself. Uh, and this song was my attempt at doing that. Um, and yeah, it was one of those songs that just happened so quickly. Uh, it was written, you know, within probably an hour or two and one of the most like natural and easy songs on the album. And uh, yeah, I just felt so buzzy the whole day writing it and I still feel buzzy when I listen to it. That's gorgeous. And I'm so glad you said that, that you, you wrote the song that you needed to hear. And I'm often asking artists this, if, if they're making music, that they needed to hear when, well, usually when they were growing up, but are they making the music that they need to hear? And I'm sure there's that fine line with, with the more your fame and the more sound it grows and the more of an audience you pull and the more the labels come involved. Obviously there are certain people pushing and pulling you one way and it must be quite difficult as a songwriter, as an artist to still remain 
true to that through line of I'm making that music that I need to hear? Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's really difficult. Um, not just possibly pressure from, you know, other people, fans, like your team, whatever, but also just um, it can be easy to get overwhelmed by all the other music that's out mm-hmm. there. And, you know, you can hear an amazing song and be like, oh, like, that's really cool. I feel like that's cooler than what I do. Like, maybe I should make that or, um, yeah, there's a lot of things out there that can confuse, uh, confuse you. And um, I've definitely struggled with that in the past also because I'm very like adventurous as a person and I always like to try new things. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm too stubborn to be told what to do. (laughs) So um, yeah, there was something kind of defined in this album, I guess. I love that you said that. You're too stubborn and you're making music you want. And that actually leads me to another favourite, which of course was the 2020 Valentine's Day lockdown love slash anti-love album uh, anthem, sorry, Fresh Out of Love, with its like orchestral 1930s operatic feel to it. I mean, you're clearly making music that you want to make there. Um, (laughs) I just want you to talk me about it. I mean, you released it on Valentine's Day despite being the antithesis of Valentine's Day. And it went massively everywhere again, because I feel it was what, particularly here in 2020, we all needed to hear and you just sing it. Um, Actually, first of all, I'm gonna play it. So here is Fresh Out of Love. Talk me through um, the importance of that song for you and um, your idea on release and and what it meant to do something so almost old-timey on this pop track. Well, this track was a lot of fun to make. It was one of the first songs that me and Jim wrote for the album. And a huge inspiration for the song was um, You've Lost That Loving Feeling by The Righteous Brothers. Oh, Um, And both Jim and I are obsessed with that style of music. And Jim created those strings at the start of the song. And I wrote the chorus of the song and then had the idea of referencing like that um, era of music and that feeling, but then sort of, I don't know, boiling it down to like a little pill and have it be a little more minimal and bring, you know, more contemporary elements into it to, you know, sort of do like a different take on those influences. And yeah, I think it's, you know, really important for there to be songs out there that uh, sort of show all the different sides of a situation 
one of my favorite songs ever is both sides now by Joni Mitchell. And I, yeah, I just really wanted to, well, a write about my own experiences, but then also the reasoning for putting that song out on Valentine's day uh, was just to have a song out there that, you know, people could connect to who weren't in that super like lovey dovey spot on this day where, uh, you know, you're made to feel really bad if you're not in that spot. And I just wanted to have this song that people could go to and be like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm not the only one. It's, it's not too bad. Cause yeah, I've always hated Valentine's day. I've never actually, this year was my first time like actually being with someone on Valentine's day. And, um, yeah, I always hated the day. So I just wanted to make it a bit easier for some people. And now you can just refer to it as release day. So that's great. Yeah, true. <laughs> you just renamed it for yourself. And I'm so glad you said Joni oh. Mitchell. As soon as you say that song title, I always get chills. I'm like, oh, that song. Oh, oh that song is so yes. good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, and again with your, again, with your honesty, um, I want to talk to you about maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just me. Like, it's such a relatable song. I've been looking for the reason why I'm sucking at this because maybe it's so obvious. Maybe it's me. I mean, most people, um, most God, most people across their age struggle with enunciating the honesty of their experiences without the emotional defense up or the subjective rewrite, let alone putting them into a kick-ass pop song. Um, but you managed to do it. You've always managed to do it. And I just want to know, do you think that there is a limit to how honest you can be in a song and what emotions you're putting in there? Oh, um, gosh, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, yeah, I'm not afraid to write about any experience of mine, really. Um, and it's always been a way for me to communicate to you know maybe myself and other people what I'm going through I I was quite a shy kid growing up very reserved I would still say I'm pretty shy so I was never one to openly talk about my experiences really um, growing up I've gotten better at it now because I've seen the value of sharing your experiences with other people but yeah it was a struggle of mine growing up and songwriting was always a way for me to talk about my experiences without actually talking about it <laughs> so yeah since I was a very young songwriter um, in my early teens I have always been brutally honest uh, in my writing and I haven't it hasn't stopped me you know, my sort of experiences haven't stopped me from writing about it. That's gorgeous. And, you know, we hear artists say that quite a lot, that you can have, you know, mountains of insecurity and self-doubt and shyness, but it's their escapism. And then, you know, a lot of people go through this that don't go on to become artists. But fortunately, there are some of you who go on to release that music, and go, oh gosh, all those inner thoughts, and now people are listening. But it must be a double-edged sword because you're exposed, but at the same time, people are reacting to it. And there's that comfort there that you've never been able to get from, I guess, one-on-one -on -one, um, discussion possibly. 
putting it mm. out and having people heard. Um, and you just mentioned, I mean, you've been making music since uh, you were very young and you released your debut four track Old Age in 2014 at 16 Years Wonderful. Um, listening back to that compilation, particularly the track Your Ghost, which I'm going to play in a minute, it absolutely blows my mind with the gravity of your voice, uh, the sound and the poetry. So here is Your Ghost. Now, most of us store the sort of 16-year-old selves of us in awful poetry and art project books that just get buried away and, and we bury forever. <laughs> but you've grown up, I guess, publicly, as you mentioned, as far as your music concerned. And looking back um, at your very early days as a musician, how do you feel about the work you released back then? And how have you grown as an artist? Um, I'm still like very proud of my early work. Um, there's a certain uh, rawness to it that can only come from, you know, your ghost I wrote when I was 13. So- Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's um, very untouched. And um, I was a very weird kid. You know, I was homeschooled and had really, um, strange like influences uh in my life so i think especially the songs i wrote um at that time where i was yeah living a more solitary life um i think makes that music its own very special thing uh so i love listening to the music i made at that time even though you know it's probably not the best songwriting or you know, it's probably not as good as, as uh, how I write now, but it's, I think it's still very precious. And yeah, I think over the years, um, I just honed my craft more. Um, I, you know, became more exposed to different influences and types of music. And I think that has, you know, sort of influenced me as a writer. So how I write now is very different to back then. Uh, and I think um, every part of the journey has its own merit. And um, yeah, so I look back on it fondly and I'm proud of where I am today as well. My goodness. I mean, the track, the, the four track was called Old Age. You're like an old soul. I swear to God, I look back on things I wrote when I was 25 and I'm like in a shame spiral. <laughs> the fact that you're giving your 30, first of all, your 13 year old writing is incredible. And second of all, that you're giving it a hug. Like you should do TED Talks as well. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. For people to love themselves again. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> Now, you mentioned you had, a, you had a different upbringing, you were homeschooled and you've always been songwriting, but I want to know where did your love of music come from and, and what sparked that desire for you to go from listening to it, loving it, to wanting to make your own? 
Uh, well, my, um, my family is super musical. Um, my mom used to sing in choirs in South Africa and her mom was an opera singer. Uh, so I think it, it runs in my blood and, um, you know, all my siblings, uh, are musical as well. And yeah, it was always a household that celebrated music. So I think I was, uh, predestined to, to end up, uh, as a songwriter or, you know, a singer. And, um, initially I actually wanted to go into theater when I was young, um, I still have a huge love for musical theater and I loved acting and dancing um, when I was young. So that was sort of, I guess, the early stages of like the musical inspiration for me. Um, And I'm not sure what happened uh, to change that. I got given a guitar on my 12th birthday and that's when I discovered uh, songwriting. Um, so I think that discovery kind of changed my, my course a little bit. Um, and yeah, I discovered music in a different way from then on, uh, which has led me here. That shows you could create it as well. Oh God. And I can so see the theatrics, um, both in the production of your sound and your songs, the fact that you push boundaries because you just follow what you love and also in your videos. Um, I mean, Fresh Out of Blood, you're, you're on a stage singing. It's gorgeous. Um, but I want to know that, I mean, visual art clearly stokes your fire too. The latest animated lyric videos, like I Want to Be Here and Maybe It's Me collection are the absolute bomb. They're so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Can you talk me through your desire and creation and inspiration for those? Well, um, I it's it's interesting. I sort of had to like teach myself um, how to be interested in the visual side of being an artist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wasn't really something I cared much about when I was younger, um, but then quickly realized that it can be a really important part of being an artist. So I, yeah, developed an interest in it, probably out of necessity in the early days, but now it's a huge joy for me to think about that side of things. And yeah, I, I was very drawn to darker colors and shades when I was younger. And then as I grew older, I just found this love for color and I think as I've gotten older, I've learned how to have more fun. I didn't allow myself to have a lot of fun when I was a kid. And, uh, and yeah, I think that was sort of reflected in my tastes as well. And I, yeah, started to build this really colorful world around me and, um, yeah, with, with all the sort of, covers and the music videos I just wanted it to feel how the music feels at the end of the day and my music feels really colorful to me so I think the visuals were were bound to feel the same it's incredibly colorful I mean I'm looking back as well talk deep which is another kicker of a song and I get this kind of dandy warhols bohemian like you vibe um (laughs) but again 
it's another one of those tracks that makes the listener kind of Cheshire grin with this shared secret because we've all been there and we all want to return nostalgically there with you. And again, it's just even the video and the sound, it's just color. And the color is the emotion of what you're feeling. So it's beautifully put together. Um, I wanted to briefly um, talk to you. I mean, in the public eye, female artists are uh, either never enough or they're just way too much. Um, mm. And, you know, it's just the way it is. And unfortunately, um, actually a study from 2017, 16% of artists are female, whereas it's like 82% are men, 83.5% are men. It's ridiculous. And I wanted to know, you came into the public attention uh, as in your music career as a teenager. And I wanted to know what are your thoughts or experiences with any sexism in the industry? Or yeah, what are your thoughts on to why those figures are just still so incredibly um, disparaging? Um, well, I think a lot of sexism still exists, but it exists quite subtly a lot of the time. and women are kind of made to feel like they're overthinking or overreacting or, you know, they're being dramatic or, you know, if they kind of talk about a negative experience, they're talking shit or whatever. And those more subtle, like nuanced uh, moments of sexism uh, are really difficult to to call it out for what it is sometimes, whether you're the person experiencing it or the person maybe uh, causing it. Um, you know, I think people think of sexism and feminism as like very extreme things sometimes, but I think, you know, it's from the smaller moments uh, where the, you know, the bigger moments build from and there's still a lot of those those things that are normalized and and I think that's why it's still really difficult for women uh, because yeah it's it's maybe not as obvious all the time. Have you ever um, had any problems being heard or had your voice heard yourself or have you always been um, quite fortunate in that department? I mean I've I've been quite lucky with my team that I have around me. Uh, I'm still working with the people I started working with when I was 16, you know, save a couple changes in the team. But um, I think my like individual struggle was more being a young person who wasn't always very sure of themselves. And I kind of had to <laughs> pretend to be very sure of myself sometimes for people to believe in me and yeah I'm not sure whether I've had too many uh yeah too many of those challenges come into my career but I've definitely been one of the lucky ones well I you might have struggled having your voice heard and feeling young but I swear if anyone knew that you wrote your ghost at 13 they should all just back down <laughs> God, seriously you should have put that in brackets on the on the back of the disc like just just so you know I wrote this when I was there <laughs> suck on that um, incredible and as lastly before I leave you what is on the horizon for you 
Well, um, that's just such a hard question to answer right now. It's <laughs> <Yeah, that's> true, <laughs> actually. Um, I think for anyone, but also I've been so like sucked into this album that I haven't really given myself uh, the time or you know option to think of anything else. Uh, so I think after today, I'm just gonna. I don't know, hang out with my friends and watch some anime and cook curries uh, until inspiration strikes again. See, even you explaining your afternoon, I'm like, I can see that song. That's her new song. She's going to hang out with her <laughs> friends and watch anime and cook curry in a really brightly knitted <laughs> jumper. <laughs> good socks. Oh, seriously, East, it has been so good talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's just incredible. Everybody, East debut album, I'm Doing It, best title ever, is out now across all platforms, and we really recommend you give it a spin. Um, plus, there are some incredible bundles you can buy from her website. Um, this is like, this is where the visual art comes in. I am eastofficial.com, including colored vinyl, CDs, tote bags, jumpers, socks, all sorts of incredible goodness. Now, don't forget, the brand new issue of Women in Pop magazine with Mariah Carey on the cover is out now. Inside, we have interviews with Carly Rae Jepsen, Freya Ridings, Dami Im, Talking Monster, G Flip, plus loads more. You can buy your copy online now at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe or to find a retailer near you at womeninpop.com forward slash retailers. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please stay safe and we will be back very soon with a new episode. Until then, from myself and East, goodbye. Bye. Uh-huh.